Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. This is God's holy and infallible word. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then tonight, we're going to be doing verses 3, 4, and 5. Brothers and sisters, when, when you see a therefore in the Bible, it's, it's like a, it's a transitional word. Um, and to best understand the text, you should always ask yourself, and this is kind of easy to remember, if you see a therefore, ask yourself, what is it there for? Paul, who wrote Romans, writes, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. So Paul is bringing to mind what came before. We have been justified by faith is an excellent summary of the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 4. Justification. That's one of the words in the sermon title today. And it's a word you need to know because it gets at the heart and soul of our faith. It's about God's grace. It's about the work of Jesus. It gets at the cross and the resurrection. All of that and more is packed into that word. The beginning of Romans teaches us about sin and that it's not just in the world out there, which, let's face it, we as believers can sometimes be all too happy to point out, sinful world, and, but sin is also in all our hearts, and sin destroys our relationship with the God who created us, and even worse, it makes us deserving of his judgment so that every person on their own, is under the wrath of God. After this dire picture, Romans 3.21 comes in and says, but. And as Bible scholars like to say, and this is a big but. In spite of all this, purely out of the goodness of God's grace in Jesus. We're forgiven our sins, and we are made right with God. So that's justification. It's a once-for-all act by which God frees the sinner. It means that all who put their faith in Jesus are declared totally innocent of all the charges that God justly brings against those who sin and fall short of his glory. To put it even simpler, justification means just as if I never sin. My prayer is that every person here this morning, my prayer is that you know what justification means, but more than that, I pray that you've experienced justification, that you're living it. My prayer is that you are free and that you are right with God, that you're justified. So 
The therefore is bringing that to mind. And then in light of this, Paul presents us in these two little verses with three awesome realities. Three incredible implications of justification. This is GEMS Sunday. GEMS stands for Girls Everywhere Meeting the Savior, which is really cool. You might think, well, gems, they are gems. We could just call them gems for that reason. But there's even a a, a better, cooler meaning. It's a cool vision and purpose for our girls club. And, And these girls really are gems a lot of the time. I don't know how it was in your homes getting ready for church on Sunday. I get here really early, so I have no idea. I just pretend it's all fine. They come in their nice dresses and But these girls really are gems. And boys, you are too. You probably don't want to be called gems. We won't call you that. But our kids are so precious to us. So precious. They're even more precious than gems. In this reality, this truth of justification, God is holding out to each one of us, three precious gems this morning. Gems to receive from them, gems to be thankful for, gems to let glisten in our lives so those around us will see Jesus. And this is a great way we can bring the message as the girls have been telling us about this morning in their theme for the year. One of my very favorite spots in the Field Museum, probably my favorite, is the Hall of Gems. It's as if today in his word, God is putting together for his people here at Faith a very special exhibition featuring three precious gems. And the first gem of justification is this. You have personal peace with God. Personal peace with God. There's a really well-known verse in Philippians 4, 7 that talks about the peace of God. Now, this is different from the peace of God, which is also an incredible gift of God. A calm and satisfied heart, to have that in the midst of the troubles of life, in the midst of the pressures of life. Peace in your soul, in the face of, of, of the cares and worries of this world, this, this special peace in our hearts. Peace with God is a little different. It means that the war between us and God is over. The peace with God is an objective truth that is true whether or not you are feeling at peace at any given time. Before we are saved, before people are saved, there's an all-out war going on between us and God. How so, you might ask, that sounds a little harsh, a little strong for the situation? Well, there's a pastor by the name of Tim Keller who describes it like this that I think will convince you that without Jesus, we are at war with God. When we sin, we're breaking God's law, we're breaking his commands, yes, 
But what we're also doing is claiming that we have the right and authority to do that. And and so when we're doing our own thing, we're claiming kingship over ourselves and over our world. For example, if we go against God's will for our bodies, whether we're talking about putting dangerous substances in our bodies, whether we're talking about living promiscuously or whatever, we're saying, I'm my own authority. I'm king. I'll do what I want with my body. But God claims kingship over our body also. The Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, when two parties claim authority or control over the same things, you know what that's called? That's called war. That's war. And the reality is God is king over everything, over ourselves, our possessions, our time, all the rest, right? So when we live how we want, instead of submitting to his will, we're setting ourselves up as our own king in opposition to him. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to be at war with God. We're deserving of judgment because of our hostility toward the King of Kings. There's a sentence against us. It can't just be thrown out. That would contradict the justice of God. But justification through faith changes that situation. Praise God because Jesus came and took our sentence on the cross. We can live in a situation of peace with God. That's the peace with God. You know, you think about what do, what's something that everybody wants in the world? And a lot of people want, you know, I don't know, money, a bigger house, car, but what I, what I think universally I think people want peace, peace in their life. And and I think maybe having more money, they might think, is a means to that end. But we want peace, peace in difficulty, peace instead of anxiety, to be able to remain calm under fire, to be balanced and measured in how you deal with people and how you deal with your little gems. But you can't have peace in life if you don't have peace with God first. This, this is the doorway to peace of God, to have peace with God. So that's the first gem. And, and I think there's a reason that, that Paul lists it first. It's foundational. When you have peace with God through Jesus, then and only then you'll start to enjoy all of the incredible blessings of our God, including the peace of God. Second gem in our exhibit this morning, you have regal access to God. And this is verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It's not just that we don't have war with God anymore, but now we're in a relationship with him. That's what access is all about. 
You could only have a relationship or be near a very powerful person if someone first introduces you to that person. You don't just have immediate access. In Jesus, we're ushered into the royal throne room of God. In ancient times, very few people had access to the king, and if by chance you did, you went in very humbly. You bowed low. You didn't dare raise your eyes. But in Jesus, we don't cower in his presence. Paul says we stand, which is wonderful. We don't have to fear that is saying. We've been made worthy. The Bible talks about believers having friendship with God. We can walk into the throne room of the one who's in charge of it all with our problems, our failures, our requests, and he receives us. He hears us. The other two times in the New Testament this word access is used, it's about prayer. So this gift, this precious gem of regal access to God whenever we want happens especially through prayer. If we have this level of accessibility, it says something about how we can pray and how we should pray. And I think it's with a certain amount of holy boldness we can go for it because we have access. When I was little, I, would, I, I thought about this often enough that I remember it now. I would dream about my dad being the, instead of a pastor, my dad being the owner of a Toys R Us. Oh, that would have been so great. I mean, access to toys. And for me, the aisle with the video games was where I headed. Access to toys, especially to video games. And, and he's my dad. I wouldn't. Maybe after hours, I could like look around. I wouldn't be afraid to ask him for anything. I don't know what his answer would have been, but I sure wouldn't have been afraid to ask him because he's my dad. God is the owner of the universe. The sky is the limit. And we can stand in his presence, not cower. Let's make use of that access every day. I think we could... It seems like we could always do better in prayer when we think about our our prayer life. Think about next steps we can improve in actually praying. But now when we pray, I think we could be bolder than we often are. Martin Luther was the really kind of the the first reformer uh, in Germany in the 1500s. He had a friend, and it was an assistant named Frederick Myconius. This friend, this assistant of his, became sick, and it was expected that he die very soon. He wrote this very loving farewell note to his good friend Luther. But when Luther received it and read it, he sat down and immediately wrote this reply. I command you in the name of God to live because I still need you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. 
For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Seems kind of shocking to us, but maybe it's because we're just not living in very courageous times. Maybe it's because we don't truly get, as well as Luther did, the awesomeness of this access that we have in Jesus to stand in his presence. When Myconius received the letter, his illness had already caused him to lose the ability to speak, but he revived soon, and he lived six more years, and he survived Luther by two months, just like Luther prayed for. Couldn't we be, I mean, that's, that's bold. Couldn't we be more bold in prayer my grandpa Schuringa, he went to his heavenly home last summer. He was 86. He could be a little eccentric, more than a little. For many years, he had a chicken farm in northwest Indiana. And at least once, maybe a couple times, for sure once, he tried to call and talk to the president of the United States. There was something he was really frustrated with related to the farm industry I don't know if feed costs were too high or egg prices were too low or something much more complicated than that, but he was frustrated. He decided to go right to the top with his complaint. He dialed up the White House. He asked to speak with the president. Think he got through? No. He did not. So my grandpa was very bold in his attempt, but he didn't have the access It's very different for us because we've got the access. God's word says it in our verse. We've got the access. Because of Jesus, nothing and no one can stand in the way between us and God. So let's use that access. Let's be bold in our prayers for our own lives, our loved ones, and our prayers for this country. And I really hope your prayers are bold and big for this church and what God is doing here, what God might do here. Bold prayers. We've got access. John Newton is uh, most well-known for writing the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. He wrote a lot of other hymns, too. Listen to the words of this one. It's older language, but I think you can, you'll get it. Come, my soul, Thy suit prepare, Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself, as bid thee pray, therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Regal access to the king of kings. Through Jesus. The third and final gem of justification is this. You have a joyful hope in God. And this is the end of verse 2. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The gem exhibit is closing, so we don't have lots of time left for this particular gem. But check this out. If peace with God is something precious for your past, Your sins, which put you at enmity with God, have been taken care of. No matter what your past is, friends, no matter how bad it is, 
And if regal access to God is something precious for your present, each day you can walk in close relationship with your Father, then this final gem is something precious for your future. The language of the hope of the glory of God is referring to a very specific blessing here. And it's about experiencing the glory of our God in heaven. And and the more we are experiencing these first two blessings of peace and access, the more we will get excited about a future in glory when we will experience all God's blessings fully without the frustration that we can often have that so much in this world and in our lives is not how it should be today. Think once of how God's blessings bring you so much great joy today. Whether it's the blessing of of your soul being lifted up in powerful worship in the church, your life being transformed by God's word, answers to prayers, being in relationship with God day by day, the peace of God. Well, all of those blessings are little drops just sprinklings of his grace compared to the joy of our salvation that's going to be totally poured out on us in heaven when Jesus returns or calls us home first. This is why Paul says we rejoice in the hope. Give praise today to God for all the blessings in your life. These gems who have helped us in worship, every other blessing, but especially thank him today for these three precious gems of our justification. They're for you this morning. All you need to do is open your hands to receive them. Assurance that everything is right between you and God. Because of Jesus, God is not at war with you. God is not angry with you in Jesus. You also have direct access through prayer, so Reach out to him. Grow in relationship with God. Explore that relationship. Be bold in in, in what you ask him as you submit all your requests to his will and to his glory. And, And also, you've got a hope in an eternal future. And that future is gonna blow away your very happiest moments in this life. Blow them away. Take these gems through faith in Jesus this morning, would you? And may they sparkle in your life so that you yourself would be a living exhibit to everyone around of Jesus and his message and his blessings. Amen?